0: God, uh, we just devote this time to you. We need you. I need you. May your holiness fill this place. May your will be what we want. And may we hear you clearly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On Saturday, January 13th, 2018, something happened over on the island of Hawaii that many of us probably have forgotten about. There was a text that appeared on everybody's cell phone that said this, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a hoax. The news reports give us the the, uh, say that many people ended up panicking. There were others who contacted loved ones and, and told them that they loved them. There were others that went into some shelter of some kind just hoping somehow that they would be spared and they said their prayers. There were others who called people that they had been estranged from in order to, to make amends somehow before they breathed their last. It took 18 minutes for an email to start circulating that said that this event was a, was a hoax. But how many of you read your emails? <laughs> okay, okay. I, we don't look at those all the time. It took 38 minutes for a text to reappear and say that what, was, what had taken place and the message that had been given was not accurate. I don't know what went through people's minds as they faced that news. But I suspect that everything that seemed to matter at 8:05 and 8:06 a.m. on Saturday morning, all of a sudden, just went out the window at 8:07. Can I get an amen on that? Because it th- when, and, and then you've got 38 minutes. And you, you 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 start thinking about other things because there are there are there are new priorities in place. There are weightier ones, there are more significant ones. It was probably an alignment of the things of this world with the things that matter to God, the things that were spiritual. People started thinking about it, and some of them probably thought about it for the very first time. When you have thirty eight minutes to consider life, you often reflect on the impact that you've had. On whether or not my choices and my directions have been the kind that God values. And the Bible tells us over and over again about the importance of aligning the way we live in this life with the values of eternity. It teaches us to live literally with the end in mind. And sometimes, let's be honest, folks, we struggle with that because we come up with our own ideas of what is good and what is convenient for us. And those values don't align with what God says in his word. Jesus told three stories just before he faced the cross. And three stories in quick succession in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And they talk about alignment. They come in very quick succession, one right after the other. And and they're given within the context of Jesus talking about the time when he will return. He talks about, not only about his death, burial, and resurrection, but he tells his disciples about what's going to happen when he returns. And this is what he says in Matthew 24, verses 36 and 42. He says, but on that day, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what your, uh, on, on what day your Lord will come. Over the next few weeks, we're going to camp out in these parables, but we're going to focus primarily on the middle one, commonly known as the parable of the talents. And even though we identify uh, talents largely with abilities and gifts that we have or propensities that we may focus on, this parable talks not only about talents in that sense, but it also talks about the time that we have, and it also talks about the treasures or the possessions that we have. I call it the parable of the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. That sticks with me. And what we do with each of them reflect our true priorities. Most of you know that I grew up in Italy and I've been to Rome multiple times, been able to see different sites like the Colosseum and different things. And one of the great architectural wonders in that city is St. Peter's Basilica. St. Peter's Basilica is not only a place of pilgrimage for millions, but also a place where tourists come and check out some of the artwork that is phenomenal in there, as well as the various uh, architectural wonders. All of them are breathtaking. And one of those architectural wonders comes as you walk up to what is called St. Peter's Square, which actually is kind of a circular thing, but they call it a square anyway. Go figure. You know, uh, they 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 weren't very propense toward math. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But 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 here here they are, and 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 you look at there and you see all these colonnades going all the way around the square. And in the center of the square, there are circles that you can stand on. And if you stand on those circles those colonnades, which are four deep, okay? One column, another column, another column, another column, plus every single one that's around. If you stand on those, on those circles, all you see is one column because the other three are perfectly aligned with it. And folks, in the same way, God wants our priorities, our values, to be perfectly aligned with his. And I'm here to tell you that the return of Jesus will be that spot when we will know what he knows and we will know whether or not our values have aligned with his and our priorities have aligned with his or not. So with that in mind, I want us to turn to Matthew 25, and I want us to start with verse 14. We're going to read through verse 18 only. This morning and we're going to spend more time in this over the next few weeks it says this again and it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them and to the one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags to another one bag each according to his ability and then he went on his journey The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I want to give you an assignment. Over the next four weeks, I would like for you to take the time at least once during the week to read this entire parable Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And don't listen to what Mark Coffey has to say, but listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you as you do that. And I urge you to make that commitment because I think you will be blessed beyond measure. Because God's word, he says, will never return to him void. There's power in what he says. And there are lessons for us to learn from it. And one of the first things that may jump out to you and has jumped out to me in this passage of Scripture is the sense of fairness or the lack thereof by the master. Because he turns around and he says, okay, you, you deserve five bags. You, you deserve two. You, you deserve one. And what's the sense of fairness behind that? But just as each of us has differing abilities... The master distributed his resources to these guys, each according to his ability. And folks, let's be honest. We can argue all we want about what we have and what we think we should have. But the reality is that God knows each of us very, very well, doesn't he? He knows us a whole lot better than we know ourselves. Because he takes the time to look into our hearts and to see what makes us tick, as well as to identify the weaknesses and the struggles that we have. And he knows us intimately. And our priority, our priority always is to use what he gives us, whatever that may be. Now, the New International Version here talks about bags of gold. And other translations use the term talents. Now, in the Bible, a talent was a measure of currency. And based on various scholars who have done uh, extensive research on this, a bag uh, or a talent was not only a measure of currency, but it represented roughly 20 years' wages for the typical worker. In today's currency, if you were to translate that in modern-day dollars, that would be roughly one talent equals $1 million. So one of the guys ended up getting $5 million. Another guy got $2 million, and the last one ended up getting $1 million. And there we get hung up with that and say, man, I, I, yeah, give me a $1 million. I could love to do that. I'd love to handle that, wouldn't I? And we think, if I had all that money, I could do a lot. But when we focus on that, we miss the point of the story again. Am I doing, which is this, am I doing what God wants with the resources he's given me? Folks, he's given me life. He's given me time Now, some of you may disagree with this, but he blessed me with some intelligence and some resourcefulness. He's given me abilities. He's given me gifts. He's given me financial resources as well. And the question that I need to ask and that you need to ask yourself is, am I using all these things to the fullest of my abilities and aligning my priorities with what God wants and with what matters to him? You see, two of these guys did. In Matthew 25, 14, in, uh, in that passage that we just read, it says that the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Deliberately, these servants went to work, and they doubled their master's investment in them. But the man who had one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, I don't know what was going through this guy's mind. I just find myself wondering if he was resentful that he hadn't received as much. I find myself wondering if maybe he had other interests that he was, uh, that he was focused on. Maybe he thought he'd get back to it later. Maybe he was a procrastinator. Maybe he just didn't care. But the scripture doesn't tell us any of that. The scripture simply tells us that he did nothing with what was given to him. And here's the bottom line his priorities didn't line up with the priorities of his master. Do yours? Do mine? We think that they do, don't we? I mean, after all, we're in church, right? But too often, we want God to agree with our agenda rather than allow us to make His focus our focus. Maybe we come to church on many occasions, but do we seek the Lord in prayer, personal worship, and study of His Word on a daily basis? We give through offering time here or maybe even online, but do we honor the Lord with the 10% of our income that he said, if you give this, I will pour out blessing upon you. And this is what I want, to give 10% to him and trust him to provide for our needs with the 90% that's left. Because 90% with God is more than enough than 100% without him. Folks, I'm here to tell you very honestly, I don't care what you make. If, you, if, if you're on Social Security and you're making $10,000 a year, or if you're barely squeaking by with a family with about thirty or 40000 and you don't tithe on that, I'm here to tell you that chances are when you end up making 100000 or whatever it is that you want to make, you won't tithe then either. Do we put the Lord first in our finances? Or do we spend more on a week of vacation than we do in our giving for the entire year? Do we steward the homes that God gave us as hubs of hospitality and look for ways to provide shelter for for others that have need and may be less fortunate than us? Or... Do we just look at them as being our castles that nobody else can get into? Do we use our time to encourage others? Do we pursue righteousness and justice instead of sitting back and blasting our policymakers in government? Do we love life the way the giver of life of it does? Do we not only value the life of the unborn, but do we, do we fight for the rights of those who are caught up in slave trafficking or in the foster care system or abandoned as orphans? I know I've been all over the board with all these examples, but let's be honest, our lives are over the board, all over the board too, aren't they? And yet God has given each of us time, talent, and treasure And Jesus has clearly said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, that wherever our treasure is, wherever we invest these things, time, talent, and treasure, then our heart will be also. Someone has wisely said that our calendars and credit cards reveal what we worship. And do these things that I just mentioned reflect a focus on the Lord in us? Having said on that, I just want you to know that we have people here at Mechanicsville Church of Christ who are very, very generous with their time, with their talent, and their treasure. This past week, a crew of men uh, from this church went out to someone's home and helped build a ramp, a handicap ramp for the family. I know that there are some in this room that have adopted children as their own. There are some who offer foster care. Others house people in need without others not even knowing about it. Some here are supporting orphans or students overseas through organizations such as Central India Christian Mission or Haiti Outreach Ministries, which we support in our missions budget or Compassion International, or other organizations. There are others in this room who give faithfully and without fanfare. No one, no one really knows. They just give joyfully, grateful for all that God has given them. And yet there are others who may end up have taking their giving to another step and now are giving sacrificially, doing without things, in order to advance the kingdom of God. I heard a fellow minister tell of a family that he knew. They were very close friends, and they were talking about some of the things that they did. And just in the course of conversation, uh, they said that uh, a number of years ago they had decided that they were going to live on a certain amount of money. And anything they made over and above that, they were going to use to advance God's kingdom in a variety of different ways. The minister friend had a good relationship with him, and he decided that he was going to probe a little bit. And he asked him, he said, so what was your limit? What, what did you set as your limit? And they gladly told him. They didn't have any problem with sharing that. And they told him what it is that they had set. And then he asked, so what are you making now? And at the time he asked them, they were making over four times as much what they had set. And they were investing everything else in the work of the church, and the work of the kingdom, in every situation that they possibly could. And I heard that story, and I heard him recount it, and I found myself thinking, you know, so, so often it's so easy for me to think about that cost of living increase or that bonus or that raise and just simply expand my lifestyle and God gets crowded out and sometimes he's forgotten altogether. And this not only applies on how we use our personal resources, it also affects how we use the money given by, given. by you to to this church our leadership takes this seriously and the question that we try to ask ourselves is is what we are doing with the money that is given here reflecting the priorities of the master Jesus Christ I want you to know that as a church we have committed to give 10% of our monies a minimum of 10% that we receive to missions And we support local and overseas missions that reflect vital aspects of our vision as a church. For example, Central India Christian Mission and and, uh, Haiti Outreach Ministries provide needed education and assistance to children and orphans. Mid-Atlantic Christian University over in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, trains men and women to impact our culture with godly values in all areas of service, in all job markets, but they also focus on preparing men and women for church ministry. And then there's Caritas and Pregnancy Resource Center that help to provide for the least of these in our city. I don't know if you know this or not, but on August 3 through 10, we're hosting... Caritas here where we're going to be hosting a number of homeless women with their children for an entire week. They're going to come here at the end of the day. They're going to get a a good meal. They're going to have food provided for them uh, to take on on their, uh, throughout the day. And they're going to have a place to sleep. And out in the foyer, out in the lobby where Will's going to be, There's a table that's there that has a list of needs that need to be purchased at this time. And I want to encourage you to grab one of those post-it notes and uh, go get those supplies because they're going to be needed and put to use and return it to the church. You see, we work with this organization not only because they provide temporary help Uh, and shelter and respite to the homeless, but also because they invest in them and they help and they equip them and train them to get back on their feet and to provide for themselves and their families. As local and nationwide reliefs uh, or disasters have, have arisen, our church has risen to the occasion on multiple occasions And I just recall a couple of years ago where we had the flood over in Houston, Texas. And within very few weeks, this congregation raised $15,000 over and above our regular giving to be sent to Houston so that people could have appliances that they needed like refrigerators and um, ovens and washers and dryers uh, because theirs had been ruined. During the week, we're invested as a major partner with Grace Christian School as they focus on raising young men and women to be strong both in their faith and also to be strong academically so that they too can impact the world for future generations. And that's a priority that reflects our values. And I know that if you're involved in meetings and everything like that, you go into the meeting rooms and sometimes they just have this blah look of a classroom, don't they? Can I get an amen on that? But I want you to know what difference it makes. While the school contributes financially in the use of our building. We still have maintenance. We still have other needs that come with this increased use. And it's exponentially so because it takes place Monday through Friday and sometimes doesn't stop until about 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And I would like to encourage some of you to just come on by and just take a look at what takes place throughout the week as you see the stewardship of the resources that God has given us and the way in which it's being used for his glory day in and day out. And I'm grateful for all that we've been able to do, but I also know that we could do so much more to honor the Lord and our Savior. And we can do it if we work together. You see, that's why back in October when we talked about the vision of the church, we said that one of the things that we wanted to try to do was to be debt-free by 2020, November 2020, and, and to eliminate the mortgage that we currently have. And the reason for that was so that we could make it possible for Grace Christian School to expand their influence, as well as ours, through added facilities on this property. They want to grow to be a a student body of 350 people. And they need more space. And this will enable them to reach more students and allow us also to serve our community alongside them more effectively. And by meeting this goal, we would not only impact our community exponentially, but have added resources to not only establish, but also to expand ministries to reach more people for the Lord. You see, folks, this isn't about us. This is about taking what God has given us, our talent, our bag of gold or our multiple talents and our multiple bags of gold and using them fully in a way that aligns with his passions and his priorities, those things that really, truly matter to him. You know what I've discovered personally about aligning earthly focuses with heavenly values? it solidifies my hope. Because I know that I'm investing in something that matters to God. But it also brings me a sense of peace. Because if I'm doing what my master wants now, I don't have to dread seeing him in the future. And knowing that his priorities are my priorities also brings me joy. And when that clicks for me, man, I'm able to worship freely, confidently, without fear. And I pray pray that you will hear my heart, but more importantly, you will hear Jesus' heart. Because what I'm going to say not only applies to my wish for you, but it applies to His wish for you. Because He wants you to experience that as well in abundance. And He wants for you to experience it now. So I'm going to mention a couple of action points very quickly. And you can be thinking about these, and maybe, there, maybe it does apply to you, or maybe it'll spawn another idea of something that you need to be doing. But here's the action points. Some here need to wrestle whether or not they're going to put God first in their finances. And he says in his word, You trust me with 10% and allow for me to work through the 90% that you have left. There are some of you here that need to step up and serve. In other words, you need to quit being a spiritual couch potato. You have gifts that will help others, either here or in community ministries, and you need to know deep down that always expecting others to serve you is making you ineffective in your walk with Jesus Christ. There's some today who need to realign the use of their time. Some of you are here for the first time in maybe six weeks and you need to make a commitment that you're going to worship every week. Quit dilly-dallying with God. Or you need to make God a daily priority through your personal Bible study and prayer as well as your weekly learning and growing within a life group. Or maybe you need to use your time to invest in others so that they will come to know Jesus as well, but there are others in this room who need Jesus in their lives. Some of you have never accepted him oh you've been in, in, enthralled by some of his teachings maybe maybe you think that he's a great guy maybe maybe you've you, you've been drawn to the fact that he loves so intently maybe maybe you've just come to know about him a little bit more, but you've never, ever fully surrendered to him. And when he returns, or when you die, whether or not you have surrendered to him is going to be the defining thing. It's going to be the important thing. Because when, when he returns and when you die, you don't have the opportunity of saying, okay, I'm going to turn to Jesus then. It's going to be too late. And it's time to do it now. For your sake. For the sake of the kingdom. For the sake of those around you. And surrender begins by believing that he is the son of God. By realizing that your life And mine haven't been what they should be. And that we need to turn our lives around and follow him. And that's what repentance really is. It's turning our lives back. And following him and turning to him And confessing his name before others and saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And living out that confession, not only in baptism as we recreate the death, burial, and resurrection, reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and saying that that is what can save me. He is the only one who can save me, and I trust in him. But also living a life that reflects that total surrender as time, talent, and treasure are at his disposal as he guides us through life. You need to do that? Father, we come to you right now. We ask that you would be with us in this time of decision because all of us in this room have a decision to make. We all have an action step. Maybe we've slacked off just a little bit. Maybe we've gotten a little comfortable. and Maybe we've forgotten that one of these days you're coming back because life has gotten in the way. So I just pray that we'll pro- align our priorities with yours. And begin to live once again by surrendering ourselves to you completely, fully, without reservation, I pray. Guide this time in Jesus' name.